Welcome to Corks and Cowtown, where everything is poppin'. Grab your drinks, the show is about to begin. Well, howdy y'all and welcome back to Corks and Cowtown. I'm joined today by someone that if you're from Fort Worth, you should definitely know if you know anything about our music scene, but definitely the DFW music scene and I'd say even the Texas music scene. So I am joined in studio with Smooth Vega. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, you're going to have to speak up. That's a little too smooth. <laughs> Look, a little I, too smooth. I, I'm nervous here. You know, <laughs> like I do a lot of interviews with a lot of different, uh, you know, podcasts and uh, platforms, but you are by far the most beautiful person that's you oh know, my ever God, interviewed thank me. You. So here we are. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think it's funny because we ended up meeting, what, three years ago at the annual meeting? Yeah. I like in that. Fort Worth is like they had the tattoo booth. I remember that. I think it was 2019. It was right before all hell broke loose. Yeah, before the world shut yes. down. And right. so, like, I remember you were over there and I was like, are they really doing tattoos? Yeah. And I was like, wait, which one would I get? And, and we, we sat like, over there and we were just talking about which one we would get. It was either going to be the little state or the FW. I'm yes. Gonna, and we were yeah. actually going to do it, but the line was like long. The line was so long. And that's the <laughs> thing is I was just like, are they going to just keep going and people aren't going to make it into the meeting? I wonder if they're going to do that again. Like, I, I wonder whose idea it was to go. I know. I was like, <laughs> I love that idea. But also, I mean, I get like trying to bring fresh ideas to yeah. stuff. So they did announce the new uh, meeting for Visit Fort Worth. The annual meeting is February 17th. Of this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to so, bring the tattoos back. It's coming back. It's you know, coming back. She has to, Robin has to get a new tattoo this I was year. like, yeah, I was like, I'm down to get a tattoo. So <laughs> it is what it is, you know? But yeah, I was like, I thought that was so funny because then we've just kept in touch. I know you went on the Funky Panthers podcast. I love those guys. Those guys are like some of my favorite people. Yeah, they're awesome. I was like, they're very easy to talk to. They are. And, you know, I, I don't know how... That interview happened, you know, like, you know, really? so, like, I don't remember. I don't remember if they just reached out, but it was cool. I was glad that it happened. And, you know, here's one thing about me. Like, I've been around for so long. I'm just a fan of anybody that's a creative. Yeah. And anytime I see guys that are working, like the Funky Panther, the Thanks for the Invite podcast, like, mm-hmm. I actually know Jesus. I've known him since they were, because they used to rap. Yeah. So I, I was a mentor to some of those guys early on. Um, Just seeing guys work. It's mm-hmm. just such a. It, it motivates me and, you know, it lets me know like, hey, man, there's a lot of creativity out here. So any way that I could support, I, I want to support. Yeah. So I went on the Funky Panther and I enjoyed their their show. I was like, I mean, it's always you never know what you're going to get. I feel like same <laughs> kind of here. They at least have like a guide of like what they plan on talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I just like to wing it. So yeah, we're going to wing it. all Yeah. Today. I was like, that's the thing is I remember you walked in. You're just like, what are we talking about? I was like, we'll see. I was like, just take me, just give <laughs> yeah. me, the, give me a heads up. Where are we going on this? <laughs> I was this, like, this we're trip. just going to see what's going to happen. So it is what it is. So for anyone who maybe has been living, you know, in a cave, can you kind of give your story and background like a quick little bio? It's never quick with me. That's the thing, right? <laughs> so so here we're going to be like 20 minutes later, and that's the quick <laughs> version of it. Uh, I guess if I could summarize it uh, to the best of my capabilities, it would be, you know, I started as an artist. Uh, you know, I started early on. Though. Mm-hmm. So we started as an artist, launched my website in 2002, uh, started really developing my brand in that time frame. Uh, eventually became very familiar and very savvy on social media and started doing social media marketing before it was called social media yep. marketing. Uh, that transitioned into me eventually becoming a promoter. Yeah. And me being a promoter is really kind of what ultimately led for me to have the relationships and resources that I have in the music industry today. 
And in the process of all of that, you know, I'm still, you know, as you know, started as an artist, still creating music, starts transitioning into a promoter, going into artist management and every role possible. You know, a lot of people don't know that I do and I have done, you know, graphic design and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, photography, uh, web, web design. I've done pretty, pretty much every role you could think of for not only artists, but also, you know, businesses locally. Mm-hmm. So I did that for several years and then, you know, eventually decided to go fully self-employed, become a full-fledged entrepreneur in 2016. And I launched my company, Premier Live, which was an extension of all those things that I just mentioned. And I started routing national tours for recording artists. Well, I saw you even booked some shows for like Leon and stuff, right? Yeah, so my history... Like way back in the day? So my history with Leon is very unique, right? And it's very unique in the sense that um, I don't like to tell the story because I never really like to feel like I'm taking any form of credit for his success. Yeah. But the story was written one way and one way only, <laughs> <laughs> which was I was managing an artist now. Uh, well, he goes by Louis the Singer now. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But Louis, uh, I had discovered Louis in 2007. And uh, I used to put together dance competitions in Fort Worth. Uh, like, I don't know if you ever watched the movie You Got Served, like the choreography. I mean, yeah, you know like the saying? crumping and stuff. Yeah, the, I used to want to, like, be a crumper so hard. <laughs> you know, like, like, the Jabberwockies. Yes. I was like, I love I love dance, though. I think it's, like, such a unique art form. So, funny enough, it, you know, and this is all kind of going back to the beginning of time now, right? In 2006, I go to an event, and it was, like, some real underground event in Dallas, right? And I go to this event, and... It was an all-age dance competition, and they would ha- have, like, performers to kind of serve as entertainment. So the moment I saw it, I was like, wow, like a light bulb went off, and I said, I need to do this, and I want to do this, but I want yeah. to go to Fort Worth. A couple weeks later, I'm on uh, Camp Bowie, and uh, they're having an event called Body Rock at the Ridgely Theater. And, oh, yeah, that's what all those guys do. <laughs> yeah, yes. so they yes. all came out, and I was like, what the hell? Like, I want to do this. And so I ended up eventually doing dance competitions and that's what led for me to meet louis and you know when i started working with louis eventually i uh, i managed him 2009 2010 2011 and we were half performances but i was still an active performer and i had an event at house of blues where i got booked as a performer i had a 30 minute set and louis was like well why don't we incorporate a band i was like yeah come on let's do it and we end up incorporating a band and he brings in a keyboardist and two backup vocalists. And one of the backup vocalists was Leon. Stop. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, his name was Todd. Yeah. Right? His name was Todd. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, super quiet guy. He was working at like a taco cabana. Yeah. I think taco cabana at Rose's Cafe. He was working at Rose's Cafe. And he had the relationship really with, with Octavian, who was the, the keyboardist. Mm-hmm. And Louie had the re- relationship with Octavian, but they all started practicing and so years later, I mean, not years later, but like a few weeks later, we ended up performing at House of Blues. And whenever we performed that night, Leon was, the, you know, he was the backup vocalist to the segment of Louis' set, right? Yeah. Which was still my set, but it was really, <laughs> it was all whatever. So we have a photo where we're all together. And anyways, uh, I think, you know, Louis had shared it back whenever Instagram first came out and Leon left the comments like, that was my first time ever on a stage. So... I have the distinct honor to say. It's you know, so crazy how you know. things just have those like full circle moments. <laughs> yeah. So I have the honor to say, ah, you know, his first time on stage was really part of our set. Right. Yeah. But, you know, obviously years later, you know, uh, I had did uh, an event at the Live Oak. Mm-hmm. And it was right before he announced that he was getting signed. He, we did a free show 
And I think that's where, you know, he connected with Zeus. Like Zeus mm-hmm. and me were friends and me and Brandon Marcel. Brandon Marcel was a really good I friend I love of mine. Brandon. Brandon was someone that I was trying to manage at the time. And they all met at that show that I put together. So it was really, yeah. like I played a small part of that history, you know. And, you know, through that, you know, I met Abraham as well. So, uh-huh. you know, like I, I know those guys very, very well. Uh, I just don't hang with them. You know, we all have yeah. different lives. But, yeah, that's that's about the extent of the the history. There, well, you know? so the thing that I always find fascinating because like you travel a lot also, now, like yeah. anyone that follows you on social media. And if you're not, please do, because you consistently like have something going is like you're always either doing artist management. You're at like a boxing match. You're promoting, you know, social media like management classes. There's something going on that you're doing. But also you mentioned, you know, you used to be having to go to Dallas to do a lot of this you know, music, finding stuff. What do you think about Fort Worth's, like, music scene now? And how has it, like, changed and grown? It's completely changed. It's completely transformed. You know, I think early on, um, for me, the music scene in Fort Worth, it wasn't that it was non-existent. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't... Um, it like, well-known? I don't even know that it wasn't well-known as much as it was just... There wasn't a lot of internal things going on here. Okay. You know, like, I remember the first time I went to the Ridgely Theater in 2002. Wesley and Richard, uh, rest in peace to Wesley. I'm not sure if Richard's still alive, so if he is, shout-out to Richard. He's not rest in peace, because I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But when they used to own it, um, I went there and I, you know, I tried to do a show, and they, they hip-hop was a foreign thing to those guys. Yeah. You know? So... They gave me the like, hey, you know, you want to do a show here? We're going to tax your ass to mm-hmm. improve yourself. And so there was a lot of that early on, you know, not only with them, but eventually some of the music venues that were well established, they, they, they weren't as welcoming. So the music scene specifically on the hip hop R&B side was a little bit more challenging. Uh, but at the same time, you had the like the surge of talent, like Marin Morris was working the area mm-hmm. around here at the time. I remember seeing her at the Fort Worth Weekly Awards in 2006, 2007. We actually campaigned and did a, a vote for Marin, vote for yeah. Vega thing together in 2007. No way, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, her, her father, like I remember the last time he commented on my Facebook several years ago, he he, he made sure to acknowledge that I was a big supporter of Marin before, yeah. before it took off, right? Uh, but, you know, being like you still had like, you know, a lot of the circuit here, but we didn't really have support. So it was difficult for people to understand the value and the, 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 how would I say the buying power within Fort Worth at that time? I knew it, you know, because at that time I'm starting to do, you know, promotion and shows and events. And I was drawing big crowds and big audiences and like, but nobody knew it. So when I would go to Dallas, because I was recording in Dallas, mm-hmm. like all my friends would be like, all right, man, you know, it's time to come over to Dallas. And I like, I was like, what? Why, why do I go to Dallas? Like, why am I going to go there? I'm unknown. Nobody knows who I am. I'm unproven. When I'm here in Fort Worth and I'm making really good money. Yeah. You know, you got to give me an incentive. And they're like, well, you know, you know, forward to Dallas is like Jersey to New York. It's the city across the bridge. <laughs> so that's the thing that's so crazy is like we always do say, you know, like there's such a difference between like Fort Worth and Dallas. But even then thinking about it like industry wise with like music, I feel like is if you think about country music, let's say you have like Billy Bob's and the stockyards and everything here. So I feel like people almost like associate Fort Worth music with it having to be country. Absolutely. It was always like a country western kind yeah. of vibe. And, but I feel that the, the biggest thing was when I finally did go to Dallas, because trust me, there was several years, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Snow the Product, but Snow the Product was mm-hmm. residing in Fort Worth from 2008 to 2013, 2014. And really she got signed to Atlantic Records when she was residing in Fort Worth. 
She's one of the biggest, you know, female independent rap artists in the world. To this day, she's arguably the biggest Mexican-American uh, woman artist in terms of hip-hop. Amazing artist. Uh, but one thing about her, she would always tell me, you got to get out of Fort Worth. You know, you got to get out of Fort Worth. And, you know, you, when people tell you that, it could come off a little offensive when you're prepared to receive it. Yeah. And I wasn't prepared to well, receive it. Because it's that. like your home, too. It's, you're it's, just like, why are you telling me to leave my home? Well, not only are you telling me to leave home, but you're also telling me to leave where I'm having success at. Yeah. And I realized now, uh, then they were trying to tell me, you've already planted your flag here, planted somewhere else. It, it was just how it was communicated, I think, at the time. So when I finally did do my first self-promoted event in Dallas in 2016, very first event, I sold it out. That's and awesome. I remember I sold out. It was Trees Dallas. I sold out 700 oh, tickets. Yeah. I'm standing on the balcony and I'm watching the whole entire crowd. And in my mind, I'm calculating the dollars. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? Like, and it, in that moment, it hit me. That's what they meant. Yeah. That's what they were trying to tell me to do six years prior. And even the travel that you see me doing now, like over the last year, being coast to coast, New York, Detroit, you know, obviously, you know, L.A., you know, Colorado, wherever I'm at. Mm -hmm. like. I'm just, it's now just registering at 37, about to be 38. This is what they were telling me then. But do you think that now, especially since you do a lot of artist management as well now, it's easier for you to like communicate with your like artist because you're like, hey, I've already experienced this. Like you're just doing like what I did. 1000% because, you know, they, they, you'll hear, you know, we crawled so you could walk. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I, I crawled, I walked, I ran. I sprinted yeah. so you could jump in the limo and you ain't got to worry about none of that <laughs> shit. Uh, but I also look at what well, you, because I, I, I forgot to mention, like we talk about how much Fort Worth has changed. Yes. You know, I almost feel sometimes when going to the meetings with here Fort Worth to visit Fort Worth, not in a disrespectful way, but I almost feel left out because I'm like this whole entire initiative has been created, right? Where we're having, you know, a presence at South mm -hmm. by Southwest. We're having a presence here around. Yeah. We're having meetings at Dickie's Arena and it's a board of me, Tom, you know, yeah. Mitch and these great guys with great minds. You know, you have the GM of uh, Dickie's Arena, Lou, and we're all having conversations about how to better Fort Worth and how they're almost taking this to uh, places that I never thought that we would have within the city. You know, now we're approaching, you know, I think we're the 12th largest city mm -hmm. by population in the United States, and we're finally acting like it. Like, yeah. the, like the state is like funding us and giving us these resources. Like we want to make Fort Worth Nashville and they're creating programs that, you know, artist grant programs and programs for the venues. Like, Dude, we never had that. Yeah. And even with Amplify 817 and, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, There's insane support now for, like, artists. Correct. Especially when it comes to music. And I look at guys like, you know, Abraham Alexander that have emerged and that have been able to tap into those resources. Like, mm -hmm. we're going to slap your face on the side of a tour bus. Yeah. Like, I was like, where was that at 10, 15 <laughs> years ago? But I'm I'm excited for the, for the guys that know it. And I feel like, you know, from... My perspective now, uh, you know, looking at it like, of course, I wish that I had it then, but I'm glad that the next guy, group of guys will have mm -hmm. it. Uh, but I feel probably now more than ever, uh, not to say that I would ever leave the scene, but like if I did, like it's in good hands now. Like yeah. before I didn't feel that way. I'm like, if I leave, like who's going to carry the torch specifically for the minority, specifically for the hip hop scene, you know, yeah. the R&B scene? Like, is there going to be a vibrant scene? Because you started seeing places like the cellar closed down. Lola's mm -hmm. moved, but you got Mina Southside gone, you know, Live Oak, yeah. which I did a lot of my events, gone, uh, you know, and it's like, yo, we're kind of running out of options now. Of course, you have 
tulips, which I love. I haven't been to Tannehills yet. I haven't either. But the fact that Tannehills is here now, like it gives us like, okay, we're going to be all right. Yeah. Give it time. So. Well, and I think that Fort Worth is somewhere that's literally like so on the map when it comes to music now, regardless if it is country or not. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, especially because I, for a very short period of time, was in the a very small part of the music scene with like Texas country. And so I noticed some of your recent posts about a certain other like promoter. And I'm not going to like, obviously, we don't have to get into like no, drama do, or whatever, whatever. But like, have fun with it. but my whole thing is like, there is so much drama in the music industry. So my question to you would be someone coming up so they're not taken advantage of and put in a situation that is like, say, unsafe for an artist. What are like, say, three to five things that people like artists should look for in, say, their management or the industry or people they're getting involved with. Absolutely. So uh, let me start off by saying, as far as like me being, you know, that doing the whole calling people out, that's new. You uh, know, I love to call people out too. So, well, you know, I just started doing it. Uh, you know, I decided on Friday night that I'm, I got a podcast that I'm about to launch that I want to promote. Yes. So let me be well, sh- go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Promote it. Tell us. Well, I'll tell you before yeah. I, to, I got to answer the question <laughs> first. We went step by step, but it was, I wanted to do a little bit of shock jock, right? Because I feel social media very simple. Mm-hmm. A simple way to, you know, break down social media is social media is Pinocchio. We are Geppetto. Yeah. So I pulled the strings. I decided to kind of have fun with it because ultimately I love music. It's my life. I never grew up wanting to do anything else, uh, but it's a sport to me. Yeah. So I, this is no different than me taking my basketball, going on the court and go, I want to challenge you one-on-one. <laughs> That's all it is. But I really, I'm not mad or angry at that specific yeah. person. Uh but in reference to like five things to look for with or three to five things to look for in any situation when jumping into the industry, I think first and foremost, first and foremost, it's it's really important that you are able to identify what your goals mean to you. Right. Because everything is subjective. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you have a conversation. We look at success two different ways. We define it two different ways. Yes. So you got to figure out what that means to you and you can never, ever base it off of what you see other people doing. Because if you're like, man, I really like what Lou Charles is doing. I want what he has. You, you'll yeah. find it's impossible because you might not reach what he has. Uh, but if you fall short or if you surpass or whatever, that doesn't make you any less or more. Because mm-hmm. you got to know what your path is. I always tell young guys and young artists in general, like, it doesn't matter if you're driving 100 miles per hour. You might look good doing it, but if you don't know where you're going, you're eventually going to run out of gas, right? That's very true. So I I think defining your goals are is very important in knowing what that looks like because if you don't know what it looks like, it doesn't matter who you come across. You're never going to get what you ultimately want. But when you do come across somebody, whether it's an artist manager, a producer, a potential partner, an investor, uh, being able to define those goals that we just talked about is going to be important in that conversation. And then, you know, come into an agreement, right? Like, this is a table. We have to have a table of expectations. What is your expectation? What is my expectations? Where can we meet? If we meet in the middle, then I know that we're, we're, we can, you know, have a partnership. But if we can't, and, you know, I think that's where we, we start establishing that. But I think it's important for artists to do their research. Like, if I come and I approach a young artist and I say, I want to work with you, and they have no idea who I am, I want them to research me. Yeah. I encourage them to research me. I encourage them to... You know, Instead I, of just name drop and be like, you don't know who I am. Yeah, like, like yeah. I, and in fact, I don't do that enough. I should do it more <laughs> often, right? I should wear a t-shirt. Like, look at the people I've worked with, yeah. right? Uh, but I just don't do it enough because ultimately, like, that doesn't matter because it's a per case basis. But I think when young guys come in, they get starry-eyed and mm-hmm. they see, you know, 
the 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 vanity the metrics the numbers the followers the views and they get caught up in that and you also have to remember there is a process to mm-hmm. get to the end result so i think it's important to do your research on who you're working with you know do your due diligence on what you know success means to you and how you define success and ultimately like you know what is your what's your plan do you have a plan like look do never complicate your journey and it's easy to complicate your that's journey that's very true but i say that to say like if my car was to break down right now on the way home I don't, I don't know how to fix cars. I might be able to figure it out if you give me enough time. But by the time I figured it out, I could have already taken it to the mechanic and just paid him to Like fix to a it. professional. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, if you know that there's an area of opportunity, because I don't like to use the word weakness. Yeah. If you, if you know that there's an area of opportunity for you to improve in, seek help. Don't be prideful. You know, at the end of the day, the, the way that society is today with social media, we, we chase these things that we think that are important. We chase these things that we think that we need. And, and we're trying to, in a sense, fit in or keep up. Yeah. But you're not running anybody's race except your own. And it's yes. important that you understand that because a lot of people just don't understand that. Like, they, they want to, have to look the part rather than actually be the part. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's some of the things that I would look for and... I would advise anybody. And of course, I mean, it goes beyond that. Like fall in love with the process, you know, the process, if, as long as you master it, you'll get to the end result, but you can't skip steps and all of that. And, you know, I feel like one of the things that I was actually talking to my friend on the way in, you know, I was in the car. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there was just a lack of mentors in, in, you know, in our era. Yeah. And a lack of leaders and a lack of, you know, resources today. There's a lot of that. And, you know, seek mentorship, seek help. You know, in 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 terms of what you're trying to accomplish. But also, don't you think there's a lot of people that like say and do those things that probably shouldn't be? Absolutely. So 100%. that's my biggest thing is like I've seen a lot of you know even friends like kind of fall into, you know, just like like you're saying, is someone getting stuck on like words? Like someone can be excellent with their words and convince you of something and be like, this is it. This person told me everything I needed to hear. And then they fall for it and they get absolutely nothing. Well, you know, I think that's what we call used car salesmen. So yes. right? like, oh, this car that. is going to be the best car I've ever you've ever driven and it breaks down two weeks later. So let's say someone is in the industry and they're experiencing like that and they know they need to make a change, but they also feel like a loyalty, whether it be because of a contract or time or, you know, money invested, like whatever. What would you tell that person? to change their mind and be like, you need to actually start doing things for you. I've actually had situations like this happen. Uh, there was an artist that I met, uh, you know, from San Antonio and I had a conversation with that person. I set him aside and I was like, Hey, you know, I want to have a conversation with you. Didn't say anything bad about the situation, but I was letting them know and notifying them that there's this specific behavior with the people that you're working with that are leading for these things to happen. And it's happening frequently. If you don't make a shift or a change doesn't happen, this could potentially hinder your career. Yeah. In all actuality, it had already hindered it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. I feel like it normally always has at that point. Yeah. At the point when somebody's bringing it to your attention, they're mm-hmm. bringing it to your attention because it's already happening. They're just trying to be nice about it. Yeah. Uh, but that's tough because it's a call that you have to make internally. And you you know, when because it's okay to be doubtful in any situation because, you know, I always tell people when you don't feel is when you don't care. Yeah. So if you feel you you, you care and it, it's okay to have a little bit of that, you know, is it going good? Is it not going good? But when it starts kind of taking over and your thoughts are kind of like, mm, I don't know, right? Because you're right. There is a lot of people that bullshit. And 
we know a lot of those people. Yeah. You know, and I feel that time always tells the story. Right. That, mm-hmm. Time will always tell the story. But this is why it's so important to do your due diligence and ask questions because everybody can look the part and, you know, look, I got a photo with so-and-so. Hey, look, I'm in I'm in this room with so-and-so. But that doesn't mean you actually know that person. Absolutely not. Else. You have to look yeah. at long-term sustained success and you have to, you know, b- basically study success stories and go, how long has this been per- this person has been doing it? And what's the track record here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I think that's so important that people do the research because I also feel that there's so many people that just want to believe it because they want to move the needle with their career. Yeah. They'll believe whatever is being told to them because it just feels and sounds better. Like it's mm-hmm. like the, uh, people don't really want to work is what it is. They want like they, they like uh, Paul Wall, I interviewed him. Right. And he said it's like everybody wants like the they want to cut the line and they want to go through like the VIP. They want like the fast pass. They, yeah, yeah. They want the VIP lane. It's like. <laughs> There's no way to just get that. Like sometimes you you just have to work. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you you know in your heart, and if it's an agreement, like I'm not saying contracts don't mean anything, but it just depends on the extent of it. But I've seen artists get taken advantage of. I've also seen artists miss on great opportunities because they uh second guess, they overthink, or they let somebody else talk them out of a blessing. And you have to be the decision maker at the end of the day. It can't be your mom, can't be your dad, yes. can't be your significant other, mm-hmm. can't be your sister, can't be your brother. It comes down to you because you are the one that has to live with that decision. And ultimately, if you hesitate or you sidestep or you stutter step, it probably wasn't for you anyways. Yep. But you, you'll know when you know. And I always feel like it has to come from a place of like truly, truly feeling and trusting your intuition. Yeah. And and also like, you know, who you're talking to. Like you said, there is a lot of used car salesmen and you know, um, I think time will tell that story and they'll weed themselves out eventually. So, I mean, you would hope so. I, I mean, I think so. I think we've yeah. seen a lot of people in the scene over the last several years that have come and go and that had great opportunities that fumbled those opportunities because of, you know, you can only be the salesman for so long. Yeah. Eventually it's going to come out or, you know, if, you know, whatever. But I think it's also important to be able to, you know, as a, you know, as a community, as a culture, hold each other accountable because I feel like I'm at a point now where I was talking to, again, I was talking to my same friend and I was like, there's a lot of recording artists, specifically rap artists from forward on the like more urban side uh, that have had great success. And when you see these lists pop off of who the greatest rappers to ever come out of the city are, you start hearing these success stories, but are they really success stories? Because to me, I look at all those guys that were there and all the guys that they're naming were guys that were like at the one yard line about to score. Yeah. And got, boom, tackled, and they never made it. Like, in that sense, like, a lot of those guys ended up in prison or in jail. Uh, and it's like, as much as we learn from the good things that they did, I think we also need to learn from what they didn't do. And I'm not going to be here and celebrate what could have been. At the end of the day, those guys were great. But I want more for our city and yeah. our people and the next generation of artists. Those guys could have been greater had they done this. And we need to do more of that. So, you know, even for me, I want to be held accountable in that same sense. Like, if you look at me acting out of line, feel free and tell me, hey, bro, people look up to you. Why are you acting stupid? I literally could not agree more with that. And I've told that to all my friends so many times. I'm like, I think one of the hardest things as a friend, and this is just my personal opinion, but like, you should be holding your friends accountable. So when they're acting like an ass or whatever else, or they're just acting, you know, immature, whatever it may be, you need to be like, hey, as your friend, Let's have a reality check real fast. Yeah. Regardless if they actually want to listen to it or not, 
I would always want my friends to like hold me accountable. And I think that that's the key word is like accountability. So whenever it comes to, you know, artists, like you're saying is like getting really close and then say something happening, like you said, jail or, you know, like whatever else, or just like, you know, falling back, you know, maybe it's management issues. Maybe it's, you know, surrounding yourself with like the crowd. Every single music documentary I've ever watched (laughs) or like movie, you know, something, I feel like the lead character or like the lead musician, lead artist, whoever it is, always has a moment where their friendships end up taking a back seat. And it's the people that were there with them from the beginning before they hit fame. Or it's the people that they continued to have success because they kept the same group around them and didn't let all the flashy things affect them. So what do you think about that as far as like keeping your circle like tight or staying with like your old crew or like allowing new people in? Because I do feel like that affects people in every industry, like friendships. But I feel like especially the music industry because everyone, like, I feel like, especially with, like, hip-hop, you're, like, you roll with a crew. Yeah. I think, you know, there's so many ways you can go with that, right? But first things first, going back to the accountability aspect, one of my good friends, uh, DJ Will Majors, who was essentially my touring DJ for a few years, he had a real tough conversation with me one time, and it was something that I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. I always tell people on the mentorship side, there's things that you want to hear, and there's things that you need to hear. And a lot of artists and creatives in general, they want to hear the good. Yep. They never want to hear what they that. need to hear. And so for me, that conversation changed the course of, I don't want to say my life, but definitely my my next few years. Because it gave me a certain level of perspective where I, I feel and I have to hold myself to a standard. Not to sit here and say that I'm this great better than everybody person. But, you know, the Fort Worth Star Telegram in 2015 said I'm the godfather of Fort Worth hip hop. Uh, hey, You know yes. what I'm saying? And and that's been published multiple times. And it's a moniker that has stuck with me. And people call me that, whether they're playing around or not, you know, that's that's a big expectation level. Yeah. So when you assume that role and you assume that, that title, it does not come lightly. I got a tattoo mm-hmm. on my back in 2018, a fucking Spider-Man that says, with great power comes great responsibilities. Yes, I, got, I love that quote. I, I got that actually tattooed on me because I have to remind myself of that. So I'm not afforded some of the same luxuries that everybody else is. Like, I can't be out here being reckless. And I've been reckless. And, you know, and that's one thing that I can own now. Well, I wasn't able to speak on that back then because mm-hmm. I wasn't aware or I wasn't, you know, even like I didn't think any of that mattered. But being self-aware is key, which be, a lot of people are not. And also being mature enough yeah. to understand, like, look, even if that's who I was or those were things that I did, I can I can grow from that. Yes. And as I grow from that, I can now teach other people what they need to learn about being a, a leader and being someone that has to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Because that's not always easy to look at yourself in the mirror or to self-assess yourself and say, you know what? I did fuck up. I do need to get better, you know? And so you talk about having people around you. I feel like people have to be aware of who they bring around because you are who you surround yourself with, right? Absolutely agree. So, you know, you walk, talk, and hang with a bunch of ducks. You ain't a mongoose, right? That's what they say. So uh, you got to keep, you know, you do have to stay grounded. And you also have to remind yourself that these people that are around you could cost you everything if they're not doing the right Mm -hmm. things. So, um the accountability aspect plays a big part in not only holding yourself accountable, but now holding the people around you accountable and making sure that you have quality people that my thing now in 2023 is 
whether or not they add value to your situation. Are they yeah. adding value to your life? Are they adding value to your everyday living, your career, whatever? They're not adding value. Then, you know, with all due respect, we could be, you know, acquaintances, but to keep you close, yeah. it's a lot to ask for from somebody, especially when pursuing a career. But, you know, I, I'm very, very, like, I don't roll with a lot of people. You know, I'm usually by myself. Uh, you know, the artist that I manage now, I mean, that was a tough conversation in the beginning because she wrote, you know, six, seven deep. Now it's me and her and Chico, you know, nine out of 10 times, maybe every so often her girlfriend. And it's not because I don't like them. And I, and I think that maybe they feel I don't. Yeah. It's because, hey, dude, like one thing goes wrong that you do, it costs all of us everything. Yeah. So you could be things that you don't even realize that are a possibility. You bump into somebody, somebody punches you on, on the side of the stage and you're part of our crew. You cost us the payday. You know, you cost us future opportunities. Now we're reckless. Yeah. So it's better being safe than sorry and being aware that any possibility is a possibility. And so people don't always understand that and don't always get that. But at the same time, I look at, you know, their goals and, you know, are you really trying to do this for a living? If you're not trying to do this for a living without a respect, this isn't for you. So stay, stay over here because people want to be attached to what they see moving and they don't even know why they want to be part of it. Well, that's the thing is I think so many people as like as far as like a crew or friends or whatever, they just see the shiny aspects of things versus like the actual work that goes into it. And so then they just kind of live their lives. And then if something happens, you're like, no, you're about to literally like you could fuck up my whole life. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I've seen that happen, you know. Oh, and, I believe it. Yeah. And I've seen people, you know cost people a lot and mm -hmm. so sometimes you just have to be aware that you know not everybody that's there you know with you is for you that. and there, there's a lot of people that are there for their own benefit they're they're trying to get their cloud up they're trying to get their numbers up they want to be associated to you because they so badly want to have an identity and they need you to give them that identity but to me that's not fulfilling for me. So I have to yeah. be able to tell the people around you like, hey, there's going to be people at very least. Look, I'm very perspective based. I don't believe in right or wrong. I believe in your perspective, my perspective. You see it a certain way. I see it a certain way. Of course, there are things that are unethical. And of course, if somebody goes and shoots somebody randomly, it's fucked up. That's not right. We all can agree on that. But when it comes to like, hey, how do you view this? It's based on perspective, yeah. right? And I try not to, like, project how I think on everybody. Yeah. But I also see people that do attach themselves to certain situations and can cost it. Mm hmm Cost the whole situation for everybody. So being aware of who you have around you is important. But it depends on how invested you are into the people, too, because there are certain people that are late bloomers that grow up later that have a, you know, like, something that somebody told me once was, you know, he was telling me, you know, it was 2015, like, why don't you manage this artist? Why don't you manage that artist? Every artist he named, I was like, nah, they got a boyfriend. Nah, they got this. Nah, they got that. And I found a reason for every single person that he mentioned to be like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. And finally, he's like, did you notice that everybody I mentioned, you said that there was something wrong with them? He's like, have you ever sat to think that maybe, just maybe, you are the difference maker that could change all of that? Mm -hmm. And when he told me that, I was like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Because sometimes it does take for us to be leaders to give somebody that 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 little push that little yeah. motivation that that as we like to call it the 90 degree angle of just shifting a little bit of their career in another direction that could forever change their life it could be me that could be doing that for them but i'm not even giving myself the opportunity because i don't want to 
I don't want the responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I got three kids. I don't want a fourth one. <laughs> that was my attitude for yeah. the longest. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's important to know, to have those conversations and to hold people to an expectation level. Uh, and, and, you know, to me at this point, any artist that I work with or any artist that I see that keeps people around them, like, you know, put them through the ringer, man. Make sure that they're meant to be here because, yeah. you know, it is important to have quality people around you as well. So I don't want to make it sound like, hey, you have to be by yourself. Just make sure that the people that are around you are for you. Mm -hmm. What about people who come into the scene and like completely change their sound and style based on like, say something that the they're... Trends? Yeah, like either trends or like something that, say, a producer tells them or whatever. Like, I mean, I get like people, you know, kind of like evolve and things. But for someone to say come into a scene and have a certain sound and then just like do a complete 180 and like flip into something else. Do you think that that's more of a like pressure of just like, well, no, this is what works. There's a lot of different ways to look at that because I do believe a lot of artists suffer from identity crisis. Mm -hmm. They haven't established their identity, which a lot of times is the reason why you don't see them progress. So they're like looking for an they're identity? Still, yeah, they're still trying yeah. to find their identity. They're still trying to figure out like, who am I? Where do I fall? What am I doing? Oh, that person's doing that. I'm going to go do that. Uh, I think it takes time to really establish a sound. You know, there's some God-given talents. Like Leon Bridges, the moment you heard him sing in 2013, 14, 15, you fucking knew, like, yeah, yeah, this guy's fucking different. And it didn't really take much to figure out. You knew what he was. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that don't have that gift. There's a lot of guys that, you know, it takes a little bit longer to kind of establish and really mold them. Uh, the artist that I work with, for example, her name is XB Valentine. A lot of people don't realize this. Like, she had been recording, putting out music, and doing shows since 2015. I met her 2019. I didn't start managing her till 2021. And and now we're in 2023. We've, we're about to hit two years with her, and she's completely transformed. I was listening to some of her demos the other day, and I know I have a big part of, you know, influence on, you know, how she's evolved. And now, you know, I don't write her music. I don't produce her music. I do post-production, uh, and I'm suggestive on, you know, certain things here and, here and there. But creative process, that's all you. Do you. Mm -hmm. It's your art, your words. I want you to feel comfortable doing what you love to do, I will only suggest how to enhance the sound. And I'm hearing the confidence high and I'm listening to it. And it finally hit me the other day. I felt like a proud dad. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you're a completely different artist yeah. than you were two, three years ago, but it's an, an evolution. And it's really just an extension and, a, and her growing from what she had been building. She's just having a better underst an understanding on how to deliver and how to, you know, how to create and how to structure and really be a song, uh, like a composer. Um, I hear artists that don't even figure that out. And then they go left, they go right, or they'll rebrand themselves or they'll change their name. And you know, they'll, they'll abandon everything that they work for, for several years and go left or go right because they're feeling peer pressure to live up to whatever expectation social media is making them believe that they have to, or however, you know, because music is a very competitive sport, you know, they'll see, you know, artist A, artist B and artist C doing these things. And like, man, like I got to keep up. Right. Yeah. So they'll do something radical and I don't subscribe to the mentality that you have to do that. Like you still stay true to yourself. And like I said, seek the resources and the things that you need that can enhance it. You know, if, and it's very easy to like determine that, right? Like again, perspective, uh, expectation levels, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what, your expectation is, but if you have a thousand followers on Instagram, a thousand followers on TikTok and a thousand followers on, you know, Facebook and YouTube, like 
do you feel in your heart that you are doing the absolute most with those 1,000 or do you feel you can have more, right? And if you feel you can have more and if you want more, then, you know, strategize and plan for that and find the people that could help you and assist and specialize in those areas or that have had success. Like, I don't know why people have so much pride that they won't reach out to somebody and be like, look, I saw that you do this really good. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, yeah. what can we do to grow together? Like, I've seen the, the podcast community in Fort Worth grow. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that, you know, you mentioned you're shouting out the Funky Panther. When I was on the Funky Panther, those guys were shouting out, thanks for the invite podcast. Like, this community of creatives, like, it's awesome to see them support one another because there's a lot of people that don't do that now. Granted, I, you know, I, now I'm going to promote the podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I did a little shock jock video to like, you know, Hey, everybody's podcast sucks. I was doing that to get a reaction yeah. to really try to get attention, to let everybody know I'm coming into the space. Howard Stern, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith. I'm rolling that in and I'm going to do this for the promo. But when they actually get around to hearing the podcast, I'm like, man, this dude, fucking condos yeah it's a listening <laughs> this is so deep content you know this is therapy sessions yeah uh but you know it's it's fun because uh again like we it's grown so much but you guys support one another mm-hmm. and i have no doubt in my mind that if you do something really cool or if the funky panther does something really cool and you're like man you know i could use some of those best practices for my show hey what's up man how did you do that man this is how we did it like, yeah n- why is it that musicians don't have the same energy like their energy is like oh man you know i don't want to look like i'm the little bro you know what i'm saying i gotta i gotta stick my chest out and say i'm the big dog i think everyone like gets into like their pride and their ego and whatever else because like i think that whenever you come into a scene you do want to be the best like you're not going to just be like i want to come into this and be mediocre no absolutely. but at the same time i feel like especially with like our little we say like the fort worth pod squad like we, yeah it's like we all initially did is we were just like well you know i like we knew who each other were but we were like i still want to be the best sure but then the closer we all got we were like okay we can all do this together for sure and everybody has different different motives and different agendas and mm-hmm. different type of content like you know that's the thing that i try to tell musicians like you know you guys can all have success you know like think yeah. about it oh i don't know how old you are and you don't have to answer the question <laughs> But I know how old I am. And I grew up in the 90s. And back in the day, we used yeah. to have these things called CD players, right? Oh, yeah. I and, had one. You know, back in the day, we used to have these things called CD wallets where we had all the CDs that we would have that we owned. Mine got stolen and I was heartbroken. Dude, like, so think about it from yes. this perspective. Like, there was pages of CDs. Yes. And I always use this analogy. There was never an artist in the history of music that filled up a whole entire CD wallet. Like, you would turn the page yeah. and you would have multiple CDs. So, like, it was okay to listen to multiple artists i love boys to man i listen to boys to man i listen to jodeci i listen to true hill i listen to 112 i listen to all these different artists i never spend 24 hours of a day listening to only one artist so there was room for multiple artists to have success like it's the same thing like there's room for multiple podcasts multiple artists in this area to have success you don't have to look at each other as competition like you're not fighting for one you know like it's not like if I sell you an album or you go to my show, you can only go to my yeah. show. You can only be my fan. You can't go to that show over there. That's yeah. that's blasphemy and that's that's criminal for you to do that. Like, no, like we should encourage one another to see this scene grow. You know, I was very, very sensitive uh, whenever I saw the tacos and tequila fest surface over here in Fort Worth because yeah. you know, I had launched I had launched Centro in 2021 and then I brought it back in 2022. And then at the end of 2022, I see Tacos and Tequila Fest. They're doing it at Panther Island. And, you know, I, obviously I did my first two events at Wild Acre. It grew year over year and it was a really successful event. 
And I so badly wanted to have this festival brand grow within Fort Worth. Yeah. You know, uh, here Fort Worth helped me the first year, the second year. Unfortunately, I didn't get that same support. So I was like, damn it. Am, is Fort Worth tired of me now? Like, you know, <laughs> like, I started having this like, you know what I mean? Because the, the, you know, the, I saw the chamber, you know, they had, they had given me some money for the first year, but they didn't give me money for the second year as far mm -hmm. as like being part of it. Not that I need that to determine whether or not they support me or not. And I could do better as well because I have to hold myself accountable. I maybe should be more present at some of their meetings and and offer more perspective. But I was like so sensitive because I see the tacos and tequila fest, and I was told by the chamber that they weren't able to participate in mine. And then the day of their event, I see them Stop. at their event, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And what really pissed me off, I'm gonna be honest, like this is some off the record exclusive juice right here, right? <laughs> spell it, <laughs> spell it. Drama. You want a drama? You get drama. <laughs> this is the drama I'm gonna give you. Uh, no, what really pissed me off is that the promoters, right? And mm -hmm. I've been guilty of doing this as well. So again, accountability, right? Um, they're from Kansas City, and so they they're from Kansas City. They go to Kansas or Wichita, Kansas or whatever, but they're from Kansas and they put this event together in Fort Worth and they have, you know, all these big hip hop artists. Mind you, I'm Mexican-American, so I'm sensitive yeah. to the fact that you're calling the Taco and Tequila Fest and you have one featured artist and you're kind of like selling the culture, positioning the culture in a certain way, but yeah. you have no real, like, like a real pulse on it. But then you're putting it in our backyard and then there's no local talent feature there's no you know nothing nothing for worth there but they're taking our they're coming into our our market and they're you know attacking our economy and taking mm -hmm. all our, our all our local dollars but i don't know if they're gonna shop local i don't know if they're gonna put back money into the local yeah. economy so i'm sensitive to see how can we allow this to happen and then yet here you have a homegrown situation and you're not pumping into that so they turn around and i saw they're doing it again are they're, they really yeah they're doing it again in may and at this point, I'm like, well, shit, I saw some of the people that were going to support my, that supported my stuff the first year, didn't support it the second year, but they're supporting that event. And I'm like, they're coming from out of town. They're not even from here. Yeah. And you guys are going to support that. And you guys are going to allow this outside promotion, out of state promotion, you know, uh, come in, take our local dollars and not put back into our local market. Yeah. Do you understand where I would see it that way? But then I had to accept them. Like, you know what? I can't be a hypocrite. I've been to other cities. I've done events. I've done my best to try to put back into that market. Um, I just have to be understanding it at the same time. You know, maybe maybe I should be the bridge and be the the voice of like, you know, let me be more collaborative. You know, I yeah. don't want to be so stubborn. But at the time, I'm a competitor. Yeah. I'm seeing it like, yo, why? Oh, absolutely. You but know? just like you said at the very beginning is like perspective. And so the fact is, is that you were able to see both perspectives. You're able to see like how you initially feel which is completely normal and I think people need to be more honest about with is like you can be upset about stuff initially as long as then you can also be honest about, okay, I get maybe where that's coming from and I can open my mind to change. But yeah. that's the thing so many people don't want to do is people want to be like, well, no, this is how I feel and I cannot change my mind. Well, yeah. And it's like, no, you can. <laughs> well, because I think it's so important now where, where forward is going. Like, of course, I want to have a place in the scene for life. I want, yeah. I want to live to... I want to live long enough to see a statue go up. You know, like I, I, I'm very passionate about being able to grow forward. And of course I want to create a brand, a festival brand that can eventually live here. Fortress Fest was well on their way of doing it. And then the world shut down. They get involved with Wild Acre. I don't know the yeah. future of their festival. I don't know if they're ever going to do it again. I, I don't, it doesn't seem like that right now. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I know for me, for a fact that, uh, 
I want to assume that role of being able to bring a high quality events. And of course, Dickie's Arena being here now, yeah. Tannehill's being here now. Like you're going to see a lot more big stuff come along. Of course, Billy Bob's a staple. Like you're, you've never not had a shortage of great events at Billy Bob's, you know, I love Marty over there, by the way, he's yeah. such a great guy. <laughs> uh, but you know, like I want to be able to play my part in being able to do that as well. So when I see an outside promoter, out of state promoter come in, and set up and plant a flag in, in Fort Worth. And I'm under the impression like, well, okay, cool. If you're going to come here and you're going to do an event here and you're going to take all the local dollars and you're not going to pump back into the you know, local economy in terms of dollars, at least put into the economy from a music standpoint. Yeah. Let's see some of our local talent up there. Let's see some of our local DJs feature. Let's feature some of our local business. And the fact that I didn't see that, I'm going to be vocal about that because yeah. I'm like, you guys are willing to support this? Mm-hmm. but aren't willing to support that. Like, yeah. is it me? Is it the approach? You know, I start having to analyze everything, but I'm also going to not let that affect me because my initial response was, I'm taking my event to Dallas. Peace. You know? Hey, you know? I was like, you never know. Uh, you know, and, and and as of right now, that's currently the plan, but uh, man, this is home. You know, this is yeah. home. So, you know, I just want to be able, and I don't, I never want to have that ego. Like, if it's not me, it's nobody. <laughs> you know, uh, of course, I would love to be part of it but i also have to be realistic like times are changing yeah and you know like i said i went to i've been to other markets where you know last year i did an event in denver my first time ever being in denver i sold out a show i haven't been to denver since so i can't be a hypocrite you know i, I did an event in amarillo the end of the year i haven't been to amarillo back. i mean you're not missing much in amarillo i feel like though. yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know what i mean though no, like, yeah I, i'm just saying like I, I gotta take my own advice i think you get like comfortable with home though and like you're always going to be protective of home yeah for sure like that's the thing so i do want to ask you because we kind of got off track because no but well it's i'm enjoying the conversation but also i want to talk about your podcast that's coming. Yeah. And so that was one of the things is that I wanted to also help, you know, you promote even just from my listeners is like, like you're saying is we can share listeners. We can share, you know, like Fort Worth is big enough, but what is the premise of your podcast and what can people be looking forward to hearing? So I would say the journey to podcasting has been a long and, uh, and, and really a rewarding one, but a long one nonetheless. Yeah. So I have to give you the backstory just so you understand. 2017, okay, rewind. 2015, start Premiere Live. Uh, I start, you know, doing concerts. 2016, it picks up. I'm booking all these big national acts. And then the radio, the print media, everybody's asking me every time I book an artist, can I get the interview? (laughs) And I gave all those guys the interview. And very, I mean, I'm talking about not even, not even exaggerating. Uh, nobody would ever publish where they got the interview from. They wouldn't promote my show with the exception of maybe like the forward star telegram. Well, that's yeah. the only one that did it. So I got tired of giving everybody my interviews and I said, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to do this myself. Yeah. I'm going to produce my own show. And I started my YouTube channel in 2016. Mm-hmm. I then took an, uh, a person that wasn't a personality. I tried to get them in role and I was like, Hey, I don't want to be the personality. I'm going to give you questions, ask the artist and we're going to create a series and we're going to push, publish this on YouTube. That lasted a few months. It didn't really work out. I pulled all the content off the channel and I kept the channel open. And so then, you know, as I'm still promoting, I'm still getting outlets asking for these interviews, interviews, interviews. So anyways, we get to the end of 2017, going into 2018. I said, man, I really want to start up a show. Yeah. So I started meeting with studio spaces and I was trying to produce a show. So I put three people in the room. I said, I want to produce a show with us. 
I want to be the producer, you know, the personalities. I want to do a radio style. I want the artist that I'm booking to call in and I want to do this style of show. Everybody was on board. I didn't do it. 2019, things happen. I, I had a really good relationship with Joe Budden, who has the Joe Budden podcast, who at the time was number one or number two on Spotify for the year. And I did a master class, a podcast master class in 2019. And we sold out two classes. But the guy that came in, you know, he's part of one of the most successful podcasts in the U.S. We sat down at Papado's right by TCU. And he's like, dude, you need to be a podcaster. You have relationships. You're well-spoken. You, you'll do well in the space. I think you should do it. So I said, say, say less. So the next week I got into <laughs> it. And there was a little bit of things that happened in between. But I ended up trying to do it. So from like, I would say from April of 2019 to about like October, uh, November of 2019, I did about 20 episodes of my podcast, Nothing Beats Experience, and I did all phoners, all phoners, mm-hmm. and the quality was ass. It sucked, <laughs> uh, but I was learning. I was trying to learn, you yeah. know, because I feel like podcasting, there is a craft, there's an art to it. You got to learn your style, kind of what you're trying to do, uh, what message you're trying to convey, what kind of show you are, like all of those things, like, and I'm speaking in terms of like those that are listening that might be thinking about starting a podcast, like. Yeah. What's your style going to be? And uh, I didn't know what I was trying to do. But luckily enough, I had a production team that salvaged the podcast. He's like, dude, I hear what you're doing. I think you're doing great. Why don't we do this? And he had this concept of like doing phoners where they FaceTime and kind of like Zoom. Yeah. Before Zoom was like the wave. Right. And he was like, uh, why don't we do this? And I was like, all right. And then I was like, I'll do you one better. Let's just get the guest in the studio. So I actually started doing that in 2020. And I started my YouTube channel and then the world shut down. So I did Zoom interviews. So I had nothing beats experience where I was interviewing people and I still have all that content online. Yeah. But I would say at the end of last year, well, the beginning of last year, going all through last year, like I started having success on TikTok and, you know, I started noticing that short content was really working. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, you know what, man, like I need to start my own thing. And the one thing that, you know, the people from the Joe Budden podcast told me was, Lorenzo, you got it. You got all the connections all the relationships you are really good at what you do you have some really great quality you just need consistency you need mm-hmm. to be frequent you need to drop weekly and i said fuck man you know and it was on my mind until the beginning of the like going into this year i was like i said i want to do it i want to go in i want to start my podcast i want to focus on personal branding because for so long i wasn't always comfortable being smooth vega like i had yeah. to start premiere live and and there was a part of me that had like a form of imposter syndrome where I didn't view myself the way the world saw me. And, um, you know, as, as I finally got comfortable, like, no, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I think the Smooth Vega podcast is going to be uh, something that I'm fully invested in. And I think in terms of what to expect, all those years of me learning formats, because one thing I left out, left, left out was in 2020, I did form a podcast that wasn't me that I finally got a chance to produce. Uh-huh. And it had some success. It was really cool. But like it ultimately fell apart because the people I was working with, they had different aspirations. They weren't trying to be podcasters. They kind of tried it out and I produced it. But I was like, finally, I was like, I'm comfortable being that. So I think what people should expect is, you know, I always kind of play around. I say, well, you know, it's like Joe Rogan meets Joe Budden, right? Uh, I do want to get to a point where I'm not relying on guests and I have co-hosts and I have conversations and I want to speak on everything. But you know, coming in, you're going to see someone on one interviews just to kind of get it going. And eventually I want to let off the, as I would like to call it, let off the training wheels and start becoming more focused on things that are important to me. And that I feel that are really important in general. Like, so you'll have, you know, a mix of music, 
a mix of entertainment, a mix of, you know, I don't even want to use celebrity guests because to be honest with you, I don't even want to do all celebrity guests. I'm yeah. going to start with a little bit of that, but I want to start featuring a lot of local people. You know what I'm saying? Dallas, Fort Worth, you know, Texas, uh, you know, I would love to have people like yourself, you know, come in, co-host with me. If I have a guest, you know, like if Abraham's on the show, for example, you come yeah. and host and just like shed light on on everything, but also give perspective mm-hmm. and and do things from a different set of lens, I guess you would say, from experience and then also, um, you know, therapy sessions, man. You know, really therapy yes. sessions, digging into like traumas, childhood traumas, you know, mm-hmm. behaviors. Uh, things that we could do different and, and, you know, shed light on perspective. It's all perspective based because I yeah. want to, I want to say that because I think as, as creatives and as people in general, we have a tendency to like talk and, you know, sometimes we want to feel like our opinions, the be all end all. Uh, but I want to be able to give people, a, you know, Hey, look, I've had, you know, success in doing these things and also shed light on other people's journeys. And hopefully, yeah. you know, the podcast will shape up, but yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Like the podcast will, should debut on the 23rd of January. That's exciting. I've I've started the the promotion process of like going on and telling people to follow me on yeah. Apple and Spotify so I can get a head start on the followers. So whenever the content does release, there's already like a little bit of an audience waiting for it. But my hopes are that the first episode performs really well. And I have, uh, you know, really, really good set of interviews that I start, I'm starting with that are going to have deep conversations. So mm-hmm. hopefully people, you know, give it a, give it a listen. I was like, well, I'm sure you're not going to have an issue there, but I think that you're spot on on saying just like same thing with like here on like Corks and Cowtown. My biggest thing is like, let's just have a conversation. Like, that's why I don't like things to be scripted. We can let the conversation go wherever it needs to go. People can talk about things that they feel comfortable with. And then you just never know because so many times there have been situations where you don't realize what you have in common with a person. Yeah, no. And, you know, like, I think the older that I've gone, you know, I'm about to be 38 years old. So, like, I don't want to age myself and say that I'm old. But I can also say that I'm not young. You know, mm-hmm. I'm closer to 40 than I am to 20. And some of my experiences, not only from from my from my life, but also other people's lives, is that, yeah. look, you know, I, I'm more in tune with myself today than I ever have been. So, I understand part of the reason why I've been the way that I've been, like somebody used the term dismissive with me several years ago and it stuck with me. And I never realized that I had a dismissive quality to the way that I act sometimes. And there's people that truly want to be validated by me and my opinion that I don't realize that I've been dismissive to the, towards those people. And I've had a work in, you know, work mm-hmm. in those areas, but it's important that somebody brought it to my attention. So as I've gotten older, like I share that and I want to have a platform to share that. I want to be able to have a platform that, can openly speak about things that, you know, as men, specifically Latino men, uh, don't talk about. You know, I grew up first generation Mexican-American. My father wasn't the most affectionate. Love my father to this day, still respect him. But there's a lot of things that he didn't do. And there's a lot of things that he did early on in my life that, you know, now as an adult, I realize, man, you really, you the way I'm wired, you is a lot of reason why I'm wired the way that I am is because of your actions and your behaviors and the way that, you know, your relationship with my mom mm-hmm. and I, I look at the parallels and I'm like, fuck, like I'm you mm-hmm. and I love you, but I don't want to be you. And I don't think you want me to be you. Yeah. You want me to be better and I want my kids to be better. So let's talk about it. You yeah. Know, let's talk about those things that seem to be a tad bit uncomfortable, but really should be conversations that be should be held because I want to be able at the end of the day to inspire people. And that's always been the goal since the very beginning was to inspire people and to leave not only, you know, Fort Worth, 
not only in my neighborhood, my people, but leave the world a better place that I found it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's really the goal is like, I want to be able to have a legacy and I feel part of my legacy is being able to to empower and to better the people around me. So I totally get that it. Is the I was goal. like, I love that. Yeah. See, there's yeah. a little bit more depth in me than people realize because all that social media shit, like it's, 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 it's a character. It is. It's an alternate yeah. reality. That's a tool for me to get you to tune in to what my message truly is because mm-hmm. Here's the last thing I'll leave you with because I know we've been going for an hour. Unless you want to go for another hour, <laughs> we'll, we'll fucking do this forever. Uh, I wanted to grow up. I grew up wanting to be a youth counselor. Mm-hmm. My mom wanted me to be a parole officer. And I say that to say uh, it's always been my goal to to counsel, to motivate people. And I initially got into music to do that through music. Yeah. You know, I knew that the only language that kids my age would listen like would listen to, the only language they would listen to is rap music in my opinion at the mm-hmm. time. So if I start doing music and I start slowly and gradually working a message through that, they will eventually listen. And if I gotta mask it with a little bit of aggression and a little bit of this and a little bit of that, so be it. But yeah. once I get you, I got you. And um now that I'm older I have a better understanding of how to do that. So you know I I to those people that eventually follow me from here, I want them to know, like, there's a lot more layers to me. And I don't think people really understand that. Even the people that I've met me don't understand the extent of what I know, mm-hmm. uh, their method to the madness. Yeah. And um, I'm a lot smarter than people realize, you know. No one knows our story better than we do. So, you know, it's yeah. like that's and that's just all we can do is share it then. And sometimes, so. you know, it's 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 best that you don't share. It. You know, uh, there's things that I, I, I only want you to know. Yeah, I want you to know this, but I don't want you to know everything because I I still get uh, I still like reading the room. I still like walking in and yeah. acting like I know nothing and letting everybody talk themselves up and talk themselves out and still being the last one standing. You know, I feel you on that one. You know what I mean? Right? That I I definitely feel you on that one. I was like, because I feel like I'm a people reader. Yeah, so I, I am too. So I sometimes <laughs> I just fall back and I just look and I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. People give themselves away a lot. Well, you know, a lot of people love to hear themselves talk. You know that too. (laughs) And I'm I'm one of them, but I'm one of them because I try to add value to, to what I feel you know is giving people that perspective. I always go back to that because now that I'm older, it's just been like, it's just instilled in me like, yo, man, like I understand Mm -hmm. what you're saying, but I don't agree, and this is why I don't agree. Let me give you this point of view. Yeah. You know, I was with Royce the Five Nine the other night, and he tells me, "I used to complain all the time about Detroit doesn't like me, Detroit doesn't support me, Detroit doesn't show me love." I was to the point where I felt they hated me. He's like, "All I did was in his and lo and behold, when I started showing everybody love, guess what? Everybody started showing me love." Yep. And I I left a comment on somebody's page that night that I had, you know, I had had a fractured relationship with, and that we had recent recently, you know, reconnected and kind of patched it up and. I leave a comment on their page and then I post a photo and the very first comment I get back is, guess what? A comment from the person that I left the comment yeah. on. And so I'm telling my artist, like, you know, my artist was like, man, I feel like this artist doesn't really rock with me. They don't really show me love. I said, well, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you showed them love? Yeah. You know, sometimes we just got to look at the perspective. That's all this is, man. Like, it, and it's so important that we were aware of that. But yeah, I mean, the podcast is going to be a little bit of all that. You know, I've, I've done that with nothing beats experience where I shed light on personal relationships, mental health, you know, the importance of, you know, mental health, you know, seeking help, therapy, counseling, like some of these things that, you know, growing up, you know, we didn't think were, were cool. Like they were like, 
if you use the term depressed, it was like you're, you're suicidal back mm-hmm. then. Like, you know, nobody wants to use these terms, but it's okay to, you know, admit that, you know, you're not at your best. And, you know, I think that's something that we have to learn to kind of re uh, realign and readjust. Like, hey, man, you know, a ball gets flat from time to time. It's okay to have to, you know, pump yeah. some air back into it, you know? So very true. Don't, don't look, don't look at any of these situations as, you know, negatives, look at them as opportunities to grow and to get better and to, you know, do better and teach the next generation of people and teach the people most, you know, important to you how to, uh, to grow, you know? Absolutely. So. I love that. I was like, well, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. I was like, I'm glad we finally got to do this. And I'm also, Really looking forward to your podcast. I appreciate it. You know, and I noticed that, you know, you guys were were very supportive and I don't ever overlook that. So I appreciate it. And I look forward to, to, you know, doing my best and, you know, going out there and trying my hardest to like leave a mark, you know, with the content. Well, see, you're going to be part of the pod squad now. Yeah, I was hoping (laughs) I was hoping I would get initiated sometime in this episode. But yeah, I was like, you'll be part of the pod squad. We'll have a. We can all go out and yeah, do something. No, sounds good. You know, and I would love to have, you know, like I said, you know, you come on as I well. I would and, love that. And, you know, it'd be it'd be fun because it's always important to have like a woman's perspective. And, you know, and, and you know, you guys are so much more intuitive than men, you know. So, I mean, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you there. So. You know, like <laughs> women are just so much more organized, so much more sharper. And, you know, I think it's important to have certain conversations with that perspective in place because, you know, like I said, there's certain things that, you know, men do that they don't even realize they do uh, that can be interpreted a certain way. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's good. Like, and I also don't want to be, uh, as my youngest daughter called me one time, my 13, my soon to be 13 year old daughter said I was misogynistic. Oh, she used a really big word. Oh. I was like, geez, Louise. Yeah, you know she saying? got you. Yeah, I was like, I manage a female artist. What are you talking about? You know? But, yeah. You know, she's like, none of your guests are women, you know? So, oh, I, I was like, I mean, uh, now you're just going to have to show her that, you know, yeah, she was wrong. Exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah, I appreciate it. And thank you so much. Like I said, we could have. It could easily gone for another hour. I, well, here's the thing is like, I'm always happy to have guests back on. So yeah. here's the thing is this is just part one. Oh, uh, there we go. Part you know, one. just part one. So we'll have a four part series. Yeah. I was like, easy peasy. We'll, we'll, we'll be back whenever we both get those <laughs> tattoos on February yes. 18th. And, uh, 17th. Forward. Oh, 17th. Yes. I was like, I know it's like a Friday morning at 7 a.m. So also, so early. I know they do. But hey, y'all make sure that you do follow Smooth Vega on all um, social media platforms and YouTube. And make sure that you are signing up for the Smooth Vega podcast yeah, Spotify as well. Spotify and Apple. We love all the streaming platforms. And until next time, cheers. <laughs>